Today is January the 20th. How does Jesus treat people? Let's find out together as we read John 4 to 6. Before you uh, read John 4 to 6 today, I'd like to make just a few comments. We started with the question, how does Jesus treat people? And the answer is relatively simple, just the opposite of the way you think he would. Uh, In John 4, he meets a Samaritan woman. Uh, Now, normally, men would not talk to women in public, and especially a woman like this. It was fairly obvious that she was a woman of loose morals. Um, Jesus speaks to her. He carries on one of the most extended conversations that's recorded of Jesus with anyone in Scripture, and it's a Samaritan woman. He doesn't treat her like they expect him to treat her. When the disciples return and see him talking to the woman, they have questions for Jesus. Well, in John chapter 4, verse Uh, 43, an official comes to Jesus. Jesus kind of dismisses him, but the official says, my son is ill. Jesus eventually says, you know what? Just go home. Uh, Your son is okay. John 4, 54, the man gets home. He finds his son well. He asks what time they say yesterday at one o'clock. The man says, that's exactly the time that I talked to Jesus. In verse 54, this was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. And what happened? In verse 53, the last phrase in that verse, he and his entire household believed in Jesus. They saw the sign and they believed. John 5, Jesus finds a lame man, someone who's been sick for 38 years. He heals him. The man gets up. He walks away. Jesus tells him to take up his mat and walk. This is the third sign that Jesus now does. Um, This time, the Pharisees find the man and ask him, who did this to him? Who told him to pick up his mat? Uh, He finds out and he says, Jesus, Jesus finds the man. How does he treat him? He chastises him. He says, look out, something worse may happen to you. John chapter 6, 5,000 people come and listen to Jesus at the end of a long day of teaching. Jesus says to his disciples, feed them. They say, all we have here is a little boy's lunch. Jesus says, that's fine. Have them sit down. And he fed the 5,000 with the little boy's lunch. Now, in verse 14, John 6, 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he's the prophet that we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, He slipped away into the hills by himself. How did he treat them? He ran from them. He ignored them. That's not what you would expect. They wanted him to be their king. A normal man would jump up and say, yes, take me. Not Jesus. He did exactly 
the opposite. As a result, when he eventually catches up with them, he gives them a very difficult teaching. In that teaching, he says, you must um, drink my blood, you must eat my flesh, and they cannot understand. They eventually turn away from him. John chapter 6, verse 66, at this point, many of disciples turned away and deserted him. How does Jesus treat people? The obvious answer is very differently from anyone else. Deeper, he treats them in the way they needed to be treated for their own good. Enjoy reading John 4-6 today. John 4-6, New Living Translation. John 4. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them as the disciples did. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on his way, and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had going into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God is for you and who you are speaking to, you'd ask me and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is deep. Where would you go to get living water? Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? We Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him 
must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what did you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. The fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, the other harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. Now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and he begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said, and he started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. They asked him when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. The father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. He and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Chapter 5 Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years, when Jesus saw him, he knew he'd been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? 
I can't, sir, the sick man said. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. He replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you're well. Stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. The man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. The Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his own father, thereby making himself equal with God. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does, for the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you'll be truly astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he's given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, for they've already passed from death to life. I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. Then those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself. He's granted that same life-giving power to his son. He's given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son. They will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. Those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist. His testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp. You were excited for a little while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish. They prove that he has sent me. The Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You've never heard his voice or seen him face to face. You don't have his message in your hearts because you don't believe me, 
the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. I've come to you in my Father's name, and you've rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you'd gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you'd gladly honor each other. But you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses... You would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how you believe what I say. Chapter 6. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and he sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, "'Where can we buy bread to feed all these people?' He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. They all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he's the prophet that we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him, but as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid. I'm here. Then they were eager to let him into the boat. Immediately, they arrived at their destination. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went back to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them this is the only work God wants you 
to do? Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I'll never reject them. For I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it's my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I'll raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Isn't this Jesus, the son Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. At the last day, I will raise them up. As it's written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. They all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus again said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I'll raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Then he said, this is why he said that people can't come to me unless the Father 
gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God. Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would later betray him. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll ask, did Jesus ever claim to be God?